Welcome back to the Health Stylist Podcast. We've had a little break on the podcast as I have been transitioning into getting some amazing guests for you ladies. And we're going to be having a lot more conversations on here with other ladies who are either coaches like me or are maybe along their journey as well, whether that's in regards to weight loss or health. And that is what we are talking about today. We have the amazing Stephanie Roberts joining us on the podcast today. And if you follow me on Instagram, you will have seen her face somewhere because I share her on my stories all the time. She's very active on Instagram sharing her story. So I was so excited to get her on the podcast so we could chat all about her journey. So we are diving into part one today and I'm excited for you ladies to listen to this and listen to Steph's journey. Today we're specifically talking about her journey with her weight loss and and some of her struggles and the things she did to get to where she is today. So let's dive straight on in and enjoy. So welcome to the podcast, Steph. I'm so excited to have you joining us. And I'm sure my audience are going to love actually hearing all of your story today because I share you a lot of my Instagram stories. So everyone's going to recognize your face. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so could we get started before we dive into any of the topics we're going to talk about? with your story so you can give us a little bit of background on your overall health story to where where you were when you were younger to where you are today and then we'll dive into some topics around where you are today okay sounds good um i guess i'll start right at the beginning because i think it's quite relevant to where i am now um i started as quite an overweight child and um i was teased a lot for being different and for being overweight and looking back i realized I was only a little bit overweight, but I really felt quite different and I felt really large. Um, And I didn't have like a great experience um, with, I guess I had a good experience at school, but I did have a lot of teasing involved at school and outside of school as well that made me feel even more different um, and like I stuck out and that I wasn't the same as everybody else. So um, I grew up with a little bit of anxiety around food. So lining up at the canteen, for example, I felt like people perceived me negatively like, oh, you know, that fat girl shouldn't be eating at the canteen. So that's at like a very young age of eight, maybe nine is when my negative relationship with food really started. And that's quite young. Um, And I continued that through high school as well. So I continued not lining up at the canteen until right before the bell would go so no one would see me and tried not to eat in front of people just because I thought that the perception was, oh, she eats so much, that's why she's fat. We don't feel sorry for her. Um, And I didn't feel sorry for myself either. I really um, felt like I was the reason I was so overweight and I thought everybody else was talking about it too. But as an adult, we know now that nobody cared. Um, and nobody, especially as teenagers, everyone cares so much about what they're doing. Nobody's worried about who's lined up at the canteen. (laughs) (laughs) But that, I guess, brought me into eating um, in secret. So when we had visitors over and there was all this food, beautiful food on the table, I dare not touch the food in front of people because I was the big girl. And then I would give them a reason to think, oh, that's why she's big. Okay, if she just stopped eating, then she would be fine like the rest of us. Um, and so I didn't feel normal. I felt like I stuck out. I was the only overweight person in my family as well. Um, my mum was overweight, but not considerably overweight. And of the children, 
um, I was definitely the only one. Everybody else was really uh, thin and lean and I felt different. So I would wait till people would finish eating um, and I would kind of get the scraps when they've left the room or when mum and dad were saying goodbye to them and greeting them, I'd quickly run and get the food. Um, but I would starve myself all night just in case people saw me eat. Um, and it's just funny because now I post like everything I eat on Instagram. <laughs> so I really come full circle with that. But I guess um, the next really big significant thing that happened was starting um, a diet that was called Sure Slim at the time. I don't even know if it still exists, but I was only 14 years old when I started this diet. And this was like my first big restrictive diet. And I lost about 12 kilos on it. And that's still to this day, well, up until, sorry, my recent weight loss, that was the most I had ever lost ever. So 12 kilos, I thought I was like untouchable. I thought it was incredible. However, what I had to do to just lose that 12 kilos at only 14 was just unethical, I think. um, And it was wrong. And I was really unhealthy. So I was encouraged I had to take a blood test, by the way, because apparently that was going to tell me what I should and shouldn't eat. Cause it, and, you know, now I just know how irrelevant that was. I'm not sure what my blood work could have told them, all my $900. But um, apparently it told them and, that I shouldn't be, I should only be eating three meals a day and I had to space them out for five hours. And so at school, our breaks are more frequent than five hours. So that meant as a 14 year old teenager at a new school because I moved into state as well. And I had very little friends at this point. Um, and just sitting and drinking water at recess and then seeing everyone else eating and um, having fun. And I just sat there eating, drinking water. And then at lunch, it meant cold chicken with an ice pack in it and broccoli. And that was what I, what I would eat. And then I'd go home and I couldn't eat because it hadn't had been five hours since lunchtime. So then I would have um, dinner and then I couldn't eat until the next morning. There were no snacks. There was no other option. And I just didn't understand that, um, that I could make decisions like, oh, if I'm hungry, I'll eat that. Or I'm sure, you know, I can have something else that's really healthy for me. But I didn't understand because that wasn't the rules. The rules were three meals a day, five hours space between them. And I stuck to the rules. And I cried a lot. And I was hungry a lot. And I was really emotional. And I was angry at the world because I thought, why me? Why do I have to go on this diet? And my brother and sister in the next room, they're eating and they look great and they're happy and they're not sitting in bed starving. I have to do this because I'm the fat one. And I just didn't understand that there were so many other options. So then I continued to bounce between restriction and binge eating because you can only stay hungry for so long, (laughs) right? Especially as a child, you know, being 14 and 15, I was still a child and, um, and the discipline just, I guess, um, wasn't there. So I would do it for a little bit of time and I'm happy I didn't do it for very long. And then I would just go completely crazy and I would binge and get really, really down on myself. And then I would just start the diet again and then binge again. So it was like a real vicious cycle. And I was so, so young And I had such little understanding of what that was doing to my body, but mostly what it was doing to my like emotions and my sense of self and my confidence and my relationship with food. It was just, um, it was, I was going down, I think a bit of a dangerous path there. And it's interesting because adults in my life are encouraging this because 
they're encouraging me to be healthy and to lose weight. And if you lose weight, you'll be happy. And that's all they really wanted was my happiness. Um, just there was a lot of misinformation. So I'm really excited. And there still is as well. There is. Yeah. And that's what I'm passionate about. And that's why I share so much of my journey because like, I want people to know that you don't have to be sad. You don't have to be starving. You don't have to be angry or confused or manipulated. There's like so many other options where you can be healthy and happy at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody told me that. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I started to put on a lot of weight after this. I just, it kept creeping up. So this was after that. sort of your first big diet. I did want to note yeah. there too, that your first ever diet was where you lost the most weight before mm-hmm. everything you're doing now. And that is so yeah. common that the first diet works because it's the first time you've ever like restricted your food. But then after that, it gets so much harder and the diet stopped working as much and that becomes confusing, but you don't know what else to do. So I did want to, yeah, just touch, make that big emphasis point that that was your first diet that worked the best. Absolutely. And I put all the weight back on after it. You best believe I put it all on. And so I couldn't, uh, I never was able to, I I was, I guess, a few years later, but in that period, I wasn't able to then lose that same amount. I would lose five kilos, like you just said. And think I was doing something wrong. I didn't understand energy balance. I didn't understand health. I didn't even understand what I was doing. I was just doing what was on the paper. And I'd go to meetings every two weeks. And they, I remember they asked me, um, how are your bowel movements? And obviously they're wanting to make sure that I'm regular. And I didn't know what that meant. So I just said, good. And I just, it's just so funny because I thought, I asked for clarification. I said, oh, when you go to the toilet, I thought, Oh, like I thought a number one. I was like, yeah, good. I don't know. I'm doing that. <laughs> I, I had no idea what they were asking because I really didn't understand my body. Yeah. I didn't understand health because I'm so young. So I'm looking at these people who I perceive to be experts. And if they tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. And if they question me, I'm going to just tell them what they want to hear kind of. So I had no idea what I was doing. So yeah, when I didn't lose that 12 kilos the second time around I thought I was doing something wrong I'm going off script obviously you know that's what's happening here Um, it's not that the diet's not working for me I'm obviously the outlayer I'm different and I'm just not working hard enough so I'll just make myself hungrier which obviously um, just kind of kept perpetuating that cycle of restriction binge restriction binge and this went on (laughs) for so long for so so long I mean for like at least another decade, um, <clears throat> a long time. That's a time. long time. It is. And that's when I knew something had to stop because I thought, I'm an adult now. I'm an intelligent, strong adult now in so many other aspects of my life. So why, why can't I do this? And so I, um, I met someone because this is when I had, maybe I was about 26, 27, I had met someone who um, had lost a lot of weight and I was like, what? She lost 40 kilos. And I was like, stop, you can't lose 40 kilos. Cause I'm thinking back what I had to do to lose 12. So I'm thinking how much more could you have done to lose 40? Like there is, did you just not eat? I was so confused by this. Um, and I thought, my goodness, I'm not willing to go through that torture again. I'd rather be fat. And then, and I did, I got to that point where I did, I'd rather just be the size I was than be starving and sad all the time and confused permanently. So she explained to me that she actually got the gastric sleeve surgery 
never had I heard of this before. I thought, tell me everything I, I need to know. And as she started um, talking, I was like, oh my goodness, I can't do that. It sounds amazing, but that's not for me. It wasn't attainable. Um, there's like a lot involved in the preparation that was going to be really difficult. It's also super expensive. Mm. Um, and I just thought, no, I'm just going to have to find another way. And I started talking to my family and they started encouraging me. I thought, wow, um, I didn't expect that, especially because it's such a drastic move and a yeah. lot of people aren't very encouraging of doing that. But they knew that I was at a point where my knees were sore and I'm only 26 or 27. My hips are really sore when I'm even going like shopping. So I have to sit down frequently. I was trying to conceive a baby and I was already at this point, now I'm 120 kilos. And I thought, okay, how much? I'm going to put on weight when I have a child. I'm going to get larger. I just couldn't foresee how it was going to work. Um, and I wasn't really having a lot of luck. I had some fertility issues. And my last blood test showed that I was getting fatty liver disease. And I, I freaked out. I'm 26 or 27 years old. Like, I can't have these problems. It's just I had so much more life to live and I was going to do all these amazing things. But if I kept gaining weight, I thought, I'm not going to be able to achieve all of those things that I want to do. So it came down to, yeah, I had to take a drastic method. I had already done a lot of drastic stuff and that didn't work. So I started researching this and it seemed like there was um, really good results. And I looked into my surgeon, um, into his web page and stuff. And he, gives a lot, he gave a lot of like information into what you need to do, how you need to come to the party to utilize this tool. And I thought, yeah, I can do that. So I did it. <laughs> and... I booked in my appointment and two weeks later, I was on the operating table. Oh, wow. That's quick. <laughs> it was really quick. And I did it because I thought, if I don't do this now, I'm going to pull out. Um, it's going yeah. to get really scary and it's going to feel really real. If I don't just keep the um, wheels turning, then it's going to sink in and I'm going to pull out. And I can't afford to pull out. Um, and I, was, I did so well. I did the pre-op diet, which was like a two-week really restrictive diet but um there is reasons for doing that it's yeah. to shrink your liver and there are other things that i don't understand but there are good reasons um for adhering to that and i adhered to it really really well and after that i thought like i'm pretty cool i'm pretty amazing like i just did that for two weeks because i've set my mind to something and i at that moment thought i'm going to commit i'm going full steam ahead with this and as you know, I did go full steam ahead and I haven't stopped. It's been 18 months now. Um, I've lost 60 kilos. I've lost 62 kilos. <laughs> I'm going to add that extra two in. And I'm really, really proud of myself because at no point have I been starving. No point have I been sad or emotional or down on myself. And I've actually, and not confused because I've actually educated myself. Yeah. So I'm no longer confused. I know what I'm doing. And I know why I'm doing it and I know how to do it. And I don't feel manipulated. I don't feel stressed. I feel really free, Christina. I feel really free. I yep. feel really good. That's amazing. The free word is something that gets me every time because yeah. that's the word that I never thought I'd feel either. And actually, because we haven't talked a lot about your childhood and like that no. sort of stuff since like we've been working <laughs> together, but the canteen, like the hiding mm -hmm. yourself, eating at school like I did all of that and I used to get teased for that but oh. I thought it was better than being teased like 
for the fat girl eating stuff, which is exactly right. what you used to say. So I was sitting here thinking, yep, I did that. I did that. <laughs> I did that. And it's crazy because there's so many things I want to pull out of your story is mm-hmm. let's start with like someone hearing your story and they may be able to relate to it like I can or in their own mm-hmm. way. When you're pulled out of your own situation and your own emotional attachment to your story and someone listening to your story could be able to see how your food relationship got so distorted by the time you become an adult. Yeah. But we tend to not feel that for ourselves. We tend to not realize all the things that happened when we were younger, all the diets and all that sort of stuff. We don't piece that together and we just think we're a failure. And so I think that's... Yeah, I think that's really good for someone who was listening to your story thinking, okay, that makes sense, like why she ended up binging and restricting and mm-hmm. then all of that starts to shape you as an adult. But once we, be- and like you said, you had a lot of adults around you and there's still like a lot of adults say, that's why I've got a job mm-hmm. doing this is that we don't know all the information, Yeah. but we can still grow up to be an adult and still not know all the information either, even if we are trying to do the thing of losing the weight or be healthy, there's always so many more answers. So Mm -hmm. I know that we're going to dive into this in a bit, but before you got the surgery, how much did you know about the ways to lose weight or be healthy other than dieting? Okay. Well, it's like I said, I was what I perceive as an intelligent, strong woman. And, um, I knew nothing. I really didn't. I knew that, um, well, actually, I, I thought that you had to be given a piece of paper by a dietitian or by a professional, and they will tell you what to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And if you stick to that, you'll lose weight. And that's the absolute limit to my knowledge. I didn't understand anything past that. I thought that a food was either straight up unhealthy or healthy. And I had a very rigid view of what a healthy or unhealthy food was coming from, like you said, my childhood and growing up and what these adults who I trusted um, all around me were telling me. So I thought that chicken and broccoli was healthy food and sweet potato. And that's a lot of that's my That's so common. Because right? <laughs> that's what the books say and that's what the plans told me. But potato was unhealthy and pasta was unhealthy. And even complex carbohydrates and healthy fats None of that appealed to me because if, unless it was written on that piece of paper that I was given when I was 14 years old, then I really wasn't interested because I thought that you can't have both. You either eat healthy or you eat unhealthy. Yep. And, and I would bounce between. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what I think so many people do mm. believe before they start, you know, going deeper into the knowledge, like the meal plan, the piece of paper, like that's what you've got yep. to do. And that doesn't take into account that we're emotional beings that has right. a mind and it's not just putting food in front of us and we just automatically pick what we think's healthy. We've, there's a mental battle there. There's like, but I'm hungry, but I want yeah. that, but I want that. And yeah. yeah. Even so, the time of the yeah. month for um, us women, like there are due to our hormone levels always changing, you know, through our cycle, yep. we're going to be hungrier at certain points of our cycle. We might even crave something at this in the second part of our cycle that we didn't crave in the first part so it's not every day doesn't look the same and it doesn't even like for individuals let alone just yourself day to day it's going to be different so having that rigid set of rules just doesn't work with human behavior but even with like our biology it doesn't work yeah absolutely and 
one of the biggest mistakes that I think, um, I guess the industry promotes in a way is that to be healthy, it's food and exercise, right? Yeah. And the first thing someone will do is go on a diet. So they're restricting their food mm-hmm. and they exercise. Mm-hmm. But if someone comes to me and they're eating well or whatever, I'm usually telling them they've got to eat more if they're exercising. Yeah. And that doesn't make sense in someone's head, but that is where we get into the fight of someone's got implemented exercise. They've also restricted their food all in the one week. And they're so restricted that that's when mm-hmm. the binge eating does start to kick off for many people, or at least emotional eating or overindulging in that roller coaster of yo-yo dieting. Yeah, exactly. And then we look back and it seems so obvious, like we've just increased our exercise. So we're going to be a bit more tired. We're using more calories doing that. We've restricted our calories totally. And we're um, stressing and probably even sleeping less due to all that. And then we're like, well, why didn't it work? At the time, you genuinely don't know why. And looking back, it's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) And my my body probably wasn't healthy. Like, and that's the core for everything is if your body is healthy, things are going to happen for you. But many of this stuff isn't healthy. Okay. So let's dive into the surgery Mm -hmm. and I want you to sort of touch on your probably, I don't know if this come up for you when you had the surgery, but I know it's definitely come up afterwards around judgment of having Mm. the surgery and also like the feeling of people thinking you cheated and all of those things that come with that. Okay. I think that's a really good topic to talk about actually. Um, And I'm glad you asked that. So yeah, I I have um, experienced some judgment from, I guess the wider community and also my own little community within like my family and friends. Um, And I don't think that I'm unique in this way. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people in the weight loss surgery community feel um, judged and actually, rather than just feel judged, are judged. So I think the perception is that when you're fat, that means you're lazy. And if you're lazy, that means you're not worthy because you're not trying hard enough. So to do something that has such a high success rate and that is almost guaranteed um, for success in regards to weight loss, it kind of challenges um it challenges people's perception on what they thought was correct. And it makes people angry, I think, for some reason, um, and makes them think that we're cheated and that that's not the way things go. So what I would say to that is um, I think it's really a sad perception to have because it would be really good to um, lift each other up and encourage other people's help. And if they've got success, it really doesn't matter what path they've gone down. It's under a doctor's guidance. It's using their own money. Um, It took their own time and energy and um, recovery. So they're putting in all of this effort and time and they're giving um, themselves so much self-care by doing this. We should really be happy for these people and think, wow, this is incredible. Because if it was any other disease and there was a treatment option that was much simpler, and much quicker and the um, results would be really, really fast. We would want that person to take it. Absolutely. If there was something that could um, cure like a really horrible disease, we'd think, yes, please have that at your disposal and, and take it for what it is and use that. But when it comes to weight loss surgery, people have such trouble with it. And I did get judged quite a lot. But what I would say is the work involved is so much more than you can imagine. The recovery 
on its own. Everyone will recover different. I do want to mention that because there will be some people who recovered really quickly and they had um, a breeze and they weren't in that much pain. I wasn't one of those people. And I'm actually, I've had conversations with people who had a much more difficult recovery than me again. But there's a lot of pain involved in the, in the I think, first two to three weeks. For me, there was a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort. And the whole way that your body works internally has changed forever. Overnight, you wake up and your stomach has changed forever. The whole system has changed forever. So you need to relearn how to eat, how to feel full and how to feel satisfied. And that's actually, that was a huge shock to me. I thought, because fullness didn't feel the same anymore. It felt like pain. Yeah. When I've eaten and I'm like, oh God, I'm full. It wasn't, oh, I'm getting a little bit more full. I'm getting satisfied. Another teaspoon, I'll be full. It was just bang, you're full and it hurts um, until your stomach has really um, fully healed. I also had to um, look into my hunger signals and my cues a little bit more because I no longer could trust what I thought when I thought I was hungry or when I thought I wasn't hungry um, just because ghrelin which is our hunger hormone that's produced in the area that was removed it does come back but temporarily um it's a lot it's a lot lower so you have to really concentrate on when to eat and how much to eat and that was different to yesterday when you had a full stomach (laughs) so it's really difficult and the first couple of months you're not even really eating full solid foods because you have to have a transition into uh we have you have puree actually liquid then puree and then soft foods and then you can start introducing harder foods so for like three months i didn't even eat anything crunchy and that's all i really wanted i just wanted like a crusket or something that was or even a piece of fruit i really craved an apple so in that way i was restricting quite a lot and that was to enable my healing and then after you can eat proper food you have to ensure you're eating the right amount of protein and fat and carbohydrates because you have really restricted your calories. So it's important to maintain a healthy body. It's important to get a good balance of all those macronutrients, especially protein, because I did lose a lot of muscle. I lost so much muscle. So I had to actually concentrate on my food even more than I ever have in my entire life. So it definitely was not the easy way out. And it's not something that just happens to you. It's a tool you're given that you need to work with and you need to work really hard um, alongside of it. Yeah. And a lot of people actually in you touching on that you lost muscle, Mm -hmm. whether someone got surgery or not, a lot of people don't really take that into account when the scale's going down. And Mm -hmm. muscle is really, really healthy and important for our body. And if you want to look a certain way, like, you know, that toned figure, that's important Mm -hmm. too. So that that's a really good thing to note. So the other thing with your surgery is that um, the success rate for people who have this surgery Mm -hmm. is not a hundred percent. And even if someone does lose weight initially because they can't eat proper foods, like from the Mm -hmm. beginning, like you just explained, yeah, they may lose some weight, but it's not a guaranteed fix. And Mm -hmm. um, so that in itself for you taking it further and actually learning a new lifestyle that you weren't even aware existed before, Mm -hmm. that, that in itself 
didn't come from you having surgery. You had to fight for that surgery to actually work. And yeah. some people don't, some people, not just, not just that they don't, but they don't know necessarily that they have to do that, but it plays a big part yeah. into your ability to actually succeed in your journey. Do you know, um, so I know you had the surgery, you would have lost weight mm -hmm. and that's when you started getting into like exercise and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, how much weight did you lose before you had to start seeking like a personal trainer and all of that? Mm -hmm. Do you know roughly what that was? I do. Um, and I'm so glad you're bringing up all these really important points because in the end, as my, um, I guess like my end goal was to lose 100% of my excess fat. And that is really hard to do. And not many people get to that 100% mark, but I have indeed now lost 100% of my excess fat and I'm down to my goal weight um, and more than my goal weight, but like where my body feels optimal, like really, really good. And I was able to lose 30 kilos um, without going to the gym and without, I did have effort because I always took this very seriously because I always said, this is my last chance. I am not torturing myself again. This is my last chance and I'm going to make this work. Um, and I'm not going back because I had gone back and forth for years and years and years. And I was not wasting my energy or time on doing that again. So I always took it very seriously, but I lost 30 kilos with less effort than the second 30 kilos. So I started um, my personal training after a while, actually. I, I can't remember exactly, but I'm going to say about nine months. It took yeah. me about nine months. I inquired at six months. And I was too scared to go. It took me three months to build up the courage. Um, but what I did do is I walked every single day since about two months post-op. And I have not stopped. I'm nearly a year and a half post-op now. And I have walked every day that I'm able to. If I'm yeah. sick or if it's raining, I won't torture myself. But I love walking. So I have done some sort of movement. But I didn't look into building muscle or building strength or um, increasing my cardiovascular health or endurance. That stuff just wasn't important to me. I thought, no, it's all about the weight loss. It's just about losing weight. And that's what I did. I lost weight, but I got really soft and I got really jiggly and things weren't looking as good as I thought they would. I thought, oh, there's a lot of um, wobbling going on here. <laughs> How do I fix that? So I got myself in touch with an exceptional personal trainer. I've had personal trainers before. And I must say that my trainer is exceptional. He really, really cares about not just my results, but my experience and my journey. And he cares about educating me. So I started learning about what it takes to be strong and to gain muscle and to recover properly. And I started going about, um, I started once a week and then I did two days a week and now I'm at three days a week. And I'm happy with three days. I'm not killing myself doing five to seven days a week of training Yeah. because three days feels good. And it's not for weight loss anymore. No, it's not. It's for my mental health. It's for clarity. It's to drive home on the way back from a personal training session, singing in the car because my mood is so elevated and like flexing and showing people the muscles that I now have. I've never had muscle in my life. I've, been able to lose weight in my life but muscle that's something that you have to put the work in nothing can give you muscle unless you're stimulating that and unless you're putting the work in yeah. so this 
part of my journey has been probably the most exciting, the most rewarding, and has made me, um, so I've encouraged me to keep going. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that's a good thing to note because you, so you mentioned that you've lost like 60 kilos or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And that's not all just because of the surgery. The surgery was yeah. the kickstart that really put you on this path, but you had yes. to make the rest of it work. And in regards to the people feeling like you were cheating and that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. I've had people ask me before if I'd recommend the surgery. And these are people who like are nowhere near as big as you were. Mm. And I say, well, if you're talking to me and I'm a coach, mm-hmm. then I'd say you know, I'd rather coach you because I know how to help you. And if someone's listening to this podcast, Mm -hmm. they know there's those options, but you didn't, you, you surgery was your last resort that allowed you to get Mm -hmm. to this place. Mm -hmm. And for, you know, someone like you, who, like you said, was 26, your knees, all of that sort of stuff. If you hadn't have had that surgery, I think it would have taken you a lot longer. Yeah. If so, you may have never got there to get to the point where you have a personal trainer, where you have a coach like for your mindset, where you are focusing on health over weight loss. Mm -hmm. And so for you, that got you to that position. And for someone to like, there's so many ways that someone could say that you were cheating. And I Mm -hmm. think that a lot of these judgments come from people who are also feeling bad about themselves. Absolutely. And so I'm saying this more for the people who feel like they're being judged. If they're in a similar position to you Mm -hmm. were with your surgery or even anything else, you got to remember that that's not coming from a place of someone simply just judging you because they can. It's Mm -hmm. coming from some hurt inside of them that maybe they're jealous or they feel like they'd like to lose weight, but they don't want the surgery or they don't have the money for the surgery and all of those things. And so they portray it back onto you. So we've got to take that sort of stuff with a grain of salt. And that's why like self-love and all that stuff, which we're going to get Mm -hmm. into later is such an important thing because that would really help during that time. And during people talking about those sort of things to you, I'm sure. Yeah. And that's a a really good point is that usually these judgments don't come from, you know, a hateful place. They come from fear or insecurity and, the more secure you are, the less you care about that. Yep. So I really did care about the judgment at first because I thought, oh my gosh, people are going to think like, oh, she got so fat that she now has to get cut open and have a surgery just so she can look like a normal person. You know, and nobody really thinks exactly like that. It's not, that's not the type of judgment that they're um, putting on me, but there is definitely judgment there. The more healthy I become, the more that I, um, you know, do health-seeking behaviours and the more that I'm strong and really living this lifestyle, the less I care about that because, girl, you do you, I will do me and you do what makes you happy, I'll do what makes me happy yep. and this makes me happy. And I don't even um, recommend the surgery for everyone to be completely yeah, honest. Yeah. I really don't. I think that it's um, a very limited amount of people will really, really benefit from the surgery. I don't think everybody will. And I don't think you need it. I, if I knew back then what I knew now, like, I mean, the whole thing, if I knew everything I knew now, then I could do it naturally. It would have taken me a lot longer though. And I do want to comment on that and say that this surgery does fast track that process, which I'm so grateful for. Um, But it's the knowledge that I've been able to acquire that has been the biggest difference because there are people in the weight loss surgery community who haven't been able to 
access that information or acquire that knowledge. And they're still in that place where they know I've had the surgery, I should be losing weight and I'm not. If anything, some people have experienced weight gain and that's not something unique to people who are just losing weight naturally. It's because the mechanisms are still the same at the end of the day. And if you don't understand those, then what hope do you have? It's really difficult. Yeah. And that shows how much work you've put in to get to where you are as well. So let's talk a, a bit about, um, you know, the fear of your stomach stretching and all of that. Mm. And let's start with when, when we had our very, one of our very first calls, I remember <laughs> that, you know, of course you were very looking at your food a lot because that's yeah. what you have to do after having the surgery. But you also knew where you knew how many calories you're eating. I remember you said that you were eating 900 calories. <laughs> yes. And I remember that you were petrified to eat any more than that. And I remember telling you, you know, I know you've had surgery, <laughs> but that's, that's not many calories. And now you're almost yeah. eating double. Is that Oh right? yeah. I'm nearly yeah. at, I'm nearly at 2000 calories a day. That's what my aim is. Yeah. yeah. And you're, so you're eating over double, you're eating yeah, around 2000, which is amazing, yeah. amazing for your health. And have you put on 10, 20, 30, 50 <laughs> kilos doing that? I have not. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely not put on. Anyway, I'm now eating at maintenance because I'm really happy with where I'm at. I don't want to make any more changes to my body in regards to weight loss. So it's important that I'm eating enough um, and and having like good nutrition to support my goals. And my goals are strength and uh, muscle gain and just really staying the same and living my best life like this without having to worry about it too much. But back when I was eating 900 calories, um, I used to Google, I was like, how many calories should I be eating a day for gastric sleeve patient? So there was no answer. Everyone was different. Yep. So I would look at other people and think, oh, their plate looks a bit smaller than mine or they've eaten, I've eaten five meals today. They've only eaten four. And so I was still in that space of comparing and like what was right and what was wrong. I needed someone to tell me you need to eat exactly like this and follow these rules. And then I could just not deviate from that. However, however what I have found is that that doesn't serve me and that doesn't serve a lot of people. It's, it's not, the type of way that you can live sustainably for the rest of your life. So through your service and speaking with you and my trainer, I figured out that you're able to um, really eat really differently to everybody else and that still be okay. You can just um, like, because the type of carbohydrates that I like might be different to the type of carbs that you like. And I might like to eat um, a certain amount of protein in the beginning of the day, but not so much in the end of the day. That might be the total opposite to the person next to you. So it's really about taking the time to figure out, this is what I did, took the time to figure out what serves me. What do I like eating? That, and what don't I like eating? And I think once you just figure that out, you can figure the rest out in between because it no longer mattered if I was eating 900 calories or 1,100 calories because uh, you taught me that it's actually more healthy to be eating more and to sustain my body by giving myself nutrients with that extra couple of hundred calories. And then yeah. you encourage me to actually build upon that and eat a couple of hundred more calories, you know, in the weeks and months that followed. And that I think that slow progression helped because it was more my mindset. I yeah. needed to see, oh, I'm not putting on weight because I'm eating an extra 300 calories in the day. And I, you can prove that to yourself. And I actually thought, oh, I'm actually feeling a lot more energetic and I'm performing better in the gym. 
I'm sleeping better and I'm not actually feeling totally consumed by counting every last little calorie because that's just not the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is that, you know, I've met people who have had the surgery maybe five years ago and Mm -hmm. they're still, they may not have got the results that they wanted fully and they're still very eating very, very little and not just for surgery purposes, like for they're scared to eat. And the difference between them and you is that you've learnt and not only learnt, but you have gained muscle and done all of the other health things that has Mm -hmm. allowed you to continuously progress into what I would consider a more normal eating lifestyle than trying to eat 900 calories for the rest of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think I was very scared of... um, eating too much and I guess that um you know upon reflection that does stem back to childhood and growing up and all the messages that I was being told about eating too much and eating too frequently so I'm a quite a frequent eater I like to eat every three hours ish that's me. I just is it? yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a little bit annoying when you're out and about and you're like oh that's my time to eat but it's what serves me it's it's just what I do well with. So when you try and restrict me and say, no, you have to wait five hours and only eat three meals a day, just doesn't work for me. Works really well for my husband because he enjoys eating three big meals. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not him and he's not me. So why would I um, try and keep up with a body that's not mine? So my body likes to eat small, frequent meals. And I also like to eat sweet things. And that's something else I was really scared of. I thought that you can't possibly lose weight and be healthy and eat bad, quote unquote, bad foods. And now I'm realizing that a bad food doesn't exist. It really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really, really good. I love hearing all of this because I'm (laughs) like, yes, I'm learning. Okay, so that is it for part one. I hope you ladies loved listening to everything that Steph had to say. I know I sure enjoyed this entire conversation and part two will be coming out next week. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And of course, I will leave all of Stephanie's links below. So to her Instagram, because you should be going over and following her. She is such an inspiration. I know you're going to really enjoy her page and her stories and all the tips that she shares. If you did enjoy this episode and maybe you can relate to some of the things that Steph was talking about, I'm also going to link below my coaching hub, which is the Food Freedom Sisterhood. And Stephanie is in this group. She's an amazing, amazing member. She talks about this openly on her Instagram, which is why I know that she won't mind me mentioning that. I will leave that linked below. You can go over and learn more. But if you're someone who struggles with binge eating, emotional eating, not loving your body or over overall just feeling like you have an unhealthy relationship with food, then this coaching hub is exactly for you. I am always in there coaching these ladies and it is literally my favorite place to hang out. So I will leave that below. And otherwise, like I said, stay tuned for part two, which will be coming out next week. And you're going to enjoy that just as much as you did this one. And otherwise I will hang out with you ladies then.